for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. Well, good morning. It's a, a lot earlier in my head than it is in yours right now. Um, I got here, what, at 11 o'clock yesterday? And I slept the whole way on the plane and then had a little nap. So I'm, I'm very proud of myself. I'm functional this morning. Well, I believe I'm functional. We'll see. Um, you know, I've, I work with a lot of churches uh, around the world. Uh, of course, I care for them, and there's varying degrees of investment. But I have um, an incredible investment in this church family. I mean, it's been a number of years, you know, years, right? At Ten years. He's using fingers. It gets that way when we get older, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> this many. Um, my, I have a personal investment. Not that it matters to you, but it matters to me. What I've seen this church family go through, and how you've gone through it, and where you are, how God is, how you have allowed God to position you for some incredible things. I'm just going, wow. It, believe me, it's more my privilege to come here to invest just a little bit into what you're doing than, uh, than anything else. It's, uh, it's sort of fun, and I like seeing you know, older people. There are no old people, right, brother? <laughs> no, there's no old people here. There's older people, then there's the less than older people, and then there's the younger people, and you're all here together. This multi-generational way of doing church is uh, well, it's the way it should be. I really like it, like being here. Um, so I've been nice. And now I want to get to business. Um, you, know, you know what I really like? I like the fact that you give me extra space because I'm an American. <laughs> no, you go, well, he's an American. He, he doesn't have good manners, and he's way too direct and things like that. And I take advantage of that. Um, what, what I want to talk about is not some, some message about some foreboding. You're going to go through difficult times. You're going to come into a time of spiritual warfare. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk more about the fact that you're in warfare. You're already in the middle of battles, and you always will be in the middle of battles. That's the nature of the Christian walk here on earth. And it would be good to be able to recognize that fact. And how does God actually want to equip us to walk through our everyday battles? Um, he, he doesn't just say, you're going to have a warfare, just believe in me and it'll all turn out. He actually wants to equip us so that we can walk out these battles in a way that advances his kingdom, it pleases him, and we're better off. Does that make sense? So, though I'm prophetic, this will be a very practical message. Um, so I'm going to start off with this. We are on a mission. Now, that's part of your vision and values, and fortunately, that vision is, is firmly rooted in the gospel. It's firmly rooted, uh, rooted in scripture. We are on a mission. Imagine if you were walking with Jesus when he was walking on earth, and you're really enjoying all the things he does. You know, wow, the way he, he, he confronted the Pharisees. Wow, the way he drove demons out of people and he healed the sick. You know, I'm with him. You know, there'd be something about being with the guy who's doing great stuff. Be really exciting. Now, are you a disciple? Yeah, yeah, this, 
Jesus, he's great. He's the great teacher. Yeah, he's the Messiah. All this sort of stuff. And you're just glad to follow him. And he, maybe he'll give you a nickname. Maybe I'll pray for you every so often. That just sense of connecting to Jesus and walking with Jesus is just great. And then one day he stops and he looks at you. You know, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. That would stop me in my tracks. I go, wait a second, Jesus. I'm here. I'm following you. I love you. You're amazing. I don't understand half the things you do, but where else can I go? And now you're turning to me and you go, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. I'm sorry, Jesus. When I, when I decided to follow you, I wasn't on any mission. I just wanted to follow you, see you do great things, and the blessings are great. That's, but I'm on a mission? I didn't know I was on a mission. Am I really on a mission? And I'm, if you were walking with Jesus, he would have said, yeah, you're on a mission. But I didn't, I didn't choose to be on a mission. And Jesus, with his very Jewish smile, would go, I know, I chose you. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. The idea that when we're born again, that we don't, we're not just set on this journey that's heavenward, and we experience the blessings of God, and we grow in our faith and all that. We're actually on the same mission that Jesus was on, other than the atonement and, you know, things that only God can do. So isn't that amazing? You know, and the, we were drafted. We, we did not sign up for the mission. That may be a shock to many of us. You're still waiting for the clipboard where you get to sign up to, to, to get onto God's mission for you. You're already on the mission. That's, that's frightening for some. What's the mission? In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus tells us. You know, he, he was talking to his disciples and he says, you know, who do the people say that I am? And, and they, they told him and Jesus says, ah, they're wrong. And then, uh, you know, who do, who do you say that I am? And Peter goes, well, you're the Christ. You know, you're the Messiah. You're the guy. And Jesus goes, you didn't get that because you were so smart. You didn't get that because you read the Old Testament. You didn't get that because you're, you're smarter than the rest. You got it because it was revealed to you. The Father turned the light on, and you had the aha moment that goes, Jesus is not just a good rabbi. He's the Messiah. You don't get that from human understanding. It was revealed to you. And then he goes, and on that rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's a very inspiring uh, verse, but it's very jam-packed. It's actually Jesus' blueprint for his church, for the mission. Jesus is saying, as I'm revealed in you, the evidence that I'm actually strengthening you is that the kingdom of God will move out. That's the evidence that when, when I build you on who I am and how I relate to you and what I'm doing, as, as I reveal myself to you and in you, over time, after a while, there'll be a pushing out, and you will advance the kingdom through your life. And here's the good part. The gates of hell will not prevail against you. He doesn't say there won't be a battle. He won't say that the gates of hell will look at you and go, 
oh, look, a Christian, then they run away. There will be battles. There will be resistance. There will be difficulties. But Jesus said, if I'm really building you, they won't prevail. You know, and look, for Americans, we, we don't like that. We don't, we don't like battles, right? We really don't. We'd much rather just push a button, blow up our enemy, and we're good, right? <laughs> Sorry. Look, I've been an American my whole life. I can criticize me, but don't you do it. Anyway. <laughs> and, and then just, just to make it a little more accessible about what this vision could really look like, so in Matthew 28, you all, you all know this, the, the Great Commission, Jesus comes up to his disciples and he says, you know, all authority uh, under heaven uh, has been given to me, which is a really nice way of saying, I'm the boss. <laughs> That's what he's saying, but he says it in a more biblical way so we can, so it seems like it's optional, right? But he goes, all authority has been given to me. Now go and make disciples. I know if I was there, you know what I would have said? I would have said, Okay, but go where? And I'm, I guarantee Jesus would have looked at me, probably rolled his eyes just a little bit, and he said, I'm not telling. Because this, this going is not a directive. It doesn't have a directional component. He's saying, in your going, when you're going home, when you're going to church, when you're going to business, when you're going to the market, in your going, make disciples. In your, in your everyday life, Realize that you're carrying the kingdom. You can demonstrate, not perfectly, the kingdom of God. You carry the light of God with you. Wherever you go, you have opportunities to demonstrate what kingdom living looks like and to touch other people. That, that's the great commission. That's the primary reason for the existence of the church. All the other reasons are very important. Fellowship, personal growth, it's all good. But the primary reason is that we can go. Y'all are going, amen? Get to, yeah. Got to help a brother out. We Americans are also very insecure. We need, no. Now we're arrogant, I know. Anyway, so we're on this mission, whether we know it or not, whether we like it or not. It's not a demand to be perfect. It's not a demand to be this prissy, perfect, religious Christian, but someone who is walking with Jesus in such a way that he's actually doing a work in us, and as he does that, he'll start doing works through us. And our greatest yippee yahoo, our greatest celebration, is when our life actually impacts others. That's where the excitement comes. How do I know that? In heaven? What do they celebrate in heaven? Yeah, people who don't know the Lord coming to the Lord, and then people who know the Lord, but they've been far off doing foolish things, and they come back, they come back into the fold. That's what sets heaven crazy. I mean, it's great, a good prophetic word. You get healed, I'm sure, raising from the dead. You get a little flight of applause up in heaven. But the thing that, get, that, that makes heaven go crazy is when people like us, broken, screwed up, very imperfect people, are getting built by Jesus in such a way that we make a difference in the lives of others that we're in the middle of. I mean, that's the mission. That's, that's the big payoff. This mission is not done in a, vac in a contextual vacuum. 
we are actually at war. This war has a long history. Look, there's this idea, you know when you get born again? Oh, everybody's excited, and you start drinking you know, pure milk, and you're set in this nursery in the church where you're just nurtured and loved and prepared and trained until you're ready for the big bad world out there. Uh, maybe that's just an American fantasy, but that's what, well, I'm too young, I'm just born again and all that. Have you ever noticed, if you just look at your own testimony, when Jesus became really real to you, not when you decide to just, I'm going to commit to go to church, but actually when you're born again, have you ever noticed that all hell breaks loose? I mean, just crazy stuff. Your cars blow up. Your kids go, I don't want you as parents anymore. I mean, your friends go, you're a Christian? Ah! There's all these things that happen when something turns in you. It could be big, it could be little, but there's, the battle has started. Now, don't be surprised, Scripture tells Don't be surprised at the battles because you have been dropped into a war zone. Dropped into a war zone, and this war has a history, a long history. This is just not a new thing. It started in the garden. Adam and Eve, they're doing their deal. This nasty snake just deceives them, and boom, sin enters in. It was a great covert move on the part of the enemy that, of course, did not, you know, catch God off guard. So there was a battle right there. Adam and Eve had to decide, who are they going to choose? Who are they going to believe? Who, who are they going to put their alliance with? Or, well, what they decided is, well, I, I think I'll get the best of both worlds. You know, I'll, I'll cut a mutual non-aggression pact between God's ways and the, my ways that are a little more convenient. <coughs> And that did not work well for them. And gosh, it really didn't work well for us. In any case, it started in the garden. Then you look at the history of Israel. You know, the, 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 the Israelites, they were held captive by the big, bad, nasty Pharaoh. They're enslaved and all. God sends his deliverer, Pharaoh. I mean, th- imagine being a leader of, the, of these Jewish people. You go, look, God told me, and I'm going to lead you out. So he goes to the Pharaoh, and he goes, let my people go. That's what God says. And, and Pharaoh goes, so you're a deliverer, right? I'm not going to let them go. As a matter of fact, go back and tell your people that they're going to have to get their own uh, grass. They're going to have to get the, the, everything they need to make bricks. Before we supplied what they needed, now they got to do it. you got to have your bricks and your straw, and you got to do it and have the same requirements. Can you imagine going back to those people? And going, hey, I'm your deliverer, and guess what? Your workload just doubled. So not only does Moses have Pharaoh as an enemy, an external one, but he's got his own people who are just mad as heck. Great leadership. Now things are harder for us. They're delivered from Egypt, finally. And then they go right into the promised land, right? No. They're delivered from captivity. They're delivered from darkness. They're delivered from slavery, which is a pretty good day at the office. But God did not just deliver them from the bad things. He delivered them so that they could experience God's promises. But the promises were a little far away, and God led them through this desert where there are all these ites that they had to fight. 
There were all these challenges. There's all this discipline. Have you ever noticed that God's promises, all, you know, when, when you get one of God's promises, there's this process, right? And it's like a battle. You know why it's like a battle? Because it is a battle, right? So the people of Israel, they're just, thank you, God, you delivered us. Let's move forward. Oh, the battles are so hard. Let's go back to when we used to eat steak. Have you ever done that? You're going forward in God, and then you start, you know, maybe captivity wasn't so bad. People of Israel did that. Gosh, I could go back to the good old days when I could have steak, you know, while being a slave. There's a deception that enters in when the battles get hard. We start looking at the good old days as actually good old days when they weren't so good. But anyway, uh, I digress. So they move forward. There's all these battles to, to just to get to the land. And then when they cross the River Jordan, now they got to fight to take the land, little by little by little. And this is after God says, I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, no weapon formed against will prosper. Um, be strong and courageous. You'll take the land. Every place you set your foot, I'll give it to you. Right? It's just that every place that you set your foot, someone else is living. There's someone else living. You know, it's good. well, let's go take land. Guess what? The gates of hell, that the influence of the enemy is ruling that land, and you want to advance the kingdom? Guess what? There's going to be a battle. Battles take the land. Just read it. You go, we're supposed to learn from the Old Testament about how to fight our battles here. And then look at our hero, Jesus. You know, his birth was a covert spy operation. Covert, I mean, just who, who would have thought to look for the Son of God? To, let's go find a virgin. Find a virgin who got pregnant but didn't know any man. Let's, let's, find, let's find a virgin who got pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Nobody would ever look for that. God just, just did a covert operation and just, just, you know, overshadowed Mary. She carries Jesus. And, like, really nobody knows about it for a long time. People were hunting. People were hunting for the Messiah. The, the, uh, <clears throat> the, the, uh, the, the powers that be, they said, oh, I hear tell there might be a Messiah, might be a, a baby, Let's, let's go kill the babies. Let's go kill the babies. I'm not going to get too pol- political, but anytime you hear, let's go kill the babies, that's not God's idea. That's the enemy's idea to actually cut short some of the plans of God. There, I didn't get political, but I did. Let's go kill the babies. Let's kill the babies. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, so there was actually an abortion attempt on Jesus. That didn't work. And then Jesus had all these temptations in the desert. And then when he finally had his ministry, he, wherever he walked, he would expose and then oppose anything that got in the way of people knowing what God, his father, was really like. It was very, very difficult. And the Pharisees were always trying to trap him and all that. Oh, and by the way, he was murdered. 
That was a battle. I mean, talk about a battle while he's hanging there. He has to decide whether or not he's going to just come off the cross or just stick it out, stick to the plan, trust God that his father would raise him from the dead. Mm, That was a battle that he fought for us. But wait, there's more. After that, Jesus is raised from the dead and all that sort of stuff. Then you look at the church, the history of the church from then till now. My gosh, the, the historical and ongoing price that Christians pay, not for being super Christians, but just for being Christians. Did you know actually talking about the Bible in some countries and you know, saying this is what God says can be a hate crime? Did you know that? Mm. It's a battle. Fulfilling the Great Commission is certainly no walk in the park. Or if it is a walk in the park, it's the kind of park where there's a lot of drug dealings and, you know, and, 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 and stuff like that. So we're at war. I mean, is this new to anybody? We're at war against two enemies. There's an external enemy and there's an internal enemy. There is a kingdom. We will call it the world system. There, there, there is no bridge between the values of the kingdom and the kingdoms of this world. There, there's no happy compromise, at least what God says in the Bible. There's no happy compromise between the ways of the world and God's ways. There is a world system that is hostile to Jesus his, and his kingdom, hostile to his person, hostile to what he does. It's hostile to what he wants to do. It's absolutely hostile in our culture. Not just in America, right here. Am I the only one who knows this? We spend a lot of our time going, well, this is what our culture says, what God says. Well, how can we bring a right balance? Good luck with that. Good luck with that. That's really hard. Did you know that the person and will and values of Jesus may often offend our culture. They may even challenge our culture. And they may even displace some of the things that our culture does. There is an external enemy that prowls around seeking to devour us, seeking to deceive us, especially to deceive us, to distract us. The enemy really, that, that system is designed to kill or steal or destroy, uh, destroy our walk with God. There are actually gates of hell, meaning there are places where, yes, God's in control, but there are places where the enemy really has a, a measure of dominion. There will be, as a Christian, there will be challenges, there will be resistance, there will be battles, we will have trials. Did you know that Jesus promises, you know, the world's going to hate you? Isn't that nice? We're going to love the world, just love the world, and they'll be so appreciative of our love for them, you know, that they'll love us back. Mm, not always. He says the world will hate you. The world system will hate you. And it also says here in the Bible, it says, did you know that anyone who just wants to, you don't even have to be good at it, anybody who wants to live a godly life will be persecuted. You all excited? You got up early to hear this. There is a battle against an external enemy, and there's a battle against an internal enemy inside us. Did you know that there is a war within ourselves? 
Um, you can see this in Romans 8. Did you know that what our unsanctified nature, our unsanctified desires, the things that are not um, controlled by the Spirit, our ways, did you know those things are, they're at enmity with what the Holy Spirit desires? And then he goes, and it will always be that way? Look, there will come a time when you go, I have no more inner battles. I'm free. Thank you, Jesus. Well, you should rejoice because you're in heaven. But until it's always going to be the battle, go ahead. Go ahead. Love your enemy. And you go, Lord, my next door neighbor, he's an enemy. As a matter of fact, I think he's going to be the next Antichrist. What am I going to do with this? <laughs> right? Love your enemy. That's really hard. Forgive those who hurt you. Oh, Lord, do you know what they did again? You know, there's all these things. And not to mention, you know, our wounds, but we have insecurities, fears. And here, here's my favorite area of battle. I have certain experiences. Like, this is what God says. I go, oh, thank you, God. I really appreciate that. But in my experience, it's quite different. I mean, do you ever have these little debates with God? I mean, have you ever tried to debate a guy, a guy who knows everything? I mean, literally does? They just smile and they wait. They just wait. Okay, bless your heart. Or, or our opinions. Lord, I know this is what you say, but perhaps what, what you, what, what's written here might be just a little outdated. I know it says it's an eternal word, but can't we just modify it so it's a little more relevant, and so it fits with my experiences and my opinions, right? Am I the only person who has this battle? <laughs> Come on, some of you guys. What does scripture say? Lay your life down for your wife. And you go, oh, are you serious? She goes to work on a broom. Are you kidding? <laughs> I mean, that's what some guys think of. Well, you know, if I actually serve my wife, she's going to walk all over me, right? And I won't even go the other side. You want me to submit and honor him? Mm-mm-mm. When he looks like Jesus, then I'll think about it. But until then, I'm running things. I mean, it's just an incredible thing, right? Oh, I just, I just ticked off a whole bunch of you. It's a battle, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, so we have, this, we have this external enemy. We have this internal enemy. And, and in the middle of it, we want to follow Jesus. I hope. I hope. We really don't want to play it safe. Because if we play it safe, then we go nowhere. And actually, the enemy doesn't have to beat us up. If he can just hold our progress, he wins. He wins. God He's a genius. Have you ever figured that out? No, he's really smart. He doesn't do things the way we would, if like we were God, we would do things. But since he's God, he gets to call the shots. God wants to equip us for this mission. He wants to actually equip us so we can fight these battles. I know that if I were God, what I would do is I would just go to all the external enemies, and then I would go Everybody gets sanctified, and there's no battles. That would be me. Thank God I'm not God. Jesus wants to equip us so that we can fight battles his ways, and in doing so, we get built up, we advance the kingdom, and he gets the glory. He wants to equip us to give us what we need. And this could be like a 10-month series. I'll, I'll just keep it to a few more minutes. There are five things that I believe are fundamental. These are things 
that, that it takes a while for us to grow in these things. Like if, if you're a mechanic and someone gives you a new tool, you go, wow, you've got to use the tool a while until you're, you're good at the use of it. Here are, here are some tools, some ways of doing life which will help any Christian, whether you're, really, whether you're eight years old or, or 80-something-something something years old. These are foundational things that the more we grow in these things, the more we encourage one another to grow in these things, I'm telling you, the gates of hell, whether they're inside or outside, they won't prevail. Here's the first one. God wants to equip us to keep our heads. To keep our heads. You know, when there's battle, it's like, ah, there's a battle, and there's freaking out and getting upset and fear and all that. There's something about how do you keep your head in the middle of trials? How do you keep your head in the middle of resistance? Just how do you keep your head? Here's the first one in uh, James chapter 4, verse 7. It says, submit to God and resist the devil, and then he'll flee from you. I want to make this so practical. Anytime you find that you have a battle, stop. Don't fight the battle. First, just report for duty. Lord, right now, I choose to submit to you. Reporting for duty, sir. Even if it's just a second, it gets you centered. I mean, because, you know, just fighting our battles in our own strength, how does that work for you? It doesn't work very well. But if you go, Lord, I'm submitting to you, sometimes just submitting to God gives you the peace that you need to stand your ground. I mean, so many times people say things and I want to argue back. I like to talk, obviously. Right? And I go, oh, I can't believe they said that. Oh, Lord, I submit to you. And guess what? I win the battle by not saying a thing. They think they've won, but I know. I know. Look, God just saved your life. You know? (laughs) If I had opened my mouth, I would have won the battle, but I I would have lost your heart. Anyway, submit to God. Just choose. Buy yourself time. Before you go off, before you react, just say, Lord, right now I choose to submit to you. Here I am reporting for duty. In um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, here's another practical thing. I teach my my girls to do that. I mean, they're learning how to do it. I I see them do it. But did you know that we don't fight the way the world fights? You know, the weapons of our warfare, they have power to tear down strongholds. What are strongholds? Strongholds are ways of thinking that are deeply established in us, which we believe are true, but they're not. The ways of thinking, ways of reacting, ways of interpreting things that we believe are true. They're real to us, but they're actually not true. They actually stand against the knowledge of God and his ways. There are some people walking around, they're really good people, and they go, well, God only helps those who help themselves. That would be a stronghold. That would be a stronghold. Because it's never in the, in the Bible. And God loves to help people who can't help themselves. I mean, he loves to. Thank God. Otherwise, I'd be in trouble. And then he says, so we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. How do you do that? Whoops. How do you do that? I'm going to tell you how I do it. Let's say, I'll I'll just, I'm going to make this up. Let's say I'm part of this congregation and Graham has preached this great message 
And he's at the door shaking hands, so glad you could be here. You know, yes, it was a life-changing message. Oh, I appreciate it. You know, he's being real humble, right? And I walk by, and I'm ready to shake his hand, and he absolutely ignores me. Absolutely ignores me. And he shakes another person's hand, and I'm going, just leaves me hanging, right? I could walk away going, can't believe it. Obviously, I've done something. Graham doesn't like me. I thought I was serving well. He ignored me in public. You know how your brain can go? If I was ever in that situation, I'd go, Lord, here it is. I'm going to take the thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. You ready this? Lord, what do you think of those thoughts? Just do that. Just do that. And you know something? It'll buy you time, but it'll also create room for God to tell you what the truth is. Like, Maybe he was busy. Maybe it's not personal at all. Try it. Try it. You know the guy who comes home after a horribly hard day, and he sits down in the couch and says, how was your day, dear? And you oh, all right. And then the lady goes, oh, he's mad at me. No, he's, maybe he's just burned out. It was just a horrible day. To be able to take captive your thoughts and make them obedient to Christ is actually simple. Go. Have you ever really lusted after something that costs more than you can afford? Right? And I, I do this and I start building a case. How, how I go from want to need. <laughs> and go from need to desperately need. Right? I just go, Lord, what do you think about it? Now, here's the good thing. If you're born again, you can do that. No matter what your battles are, you can go, Lord, what do you think? No matter what your battles are, you go, Lord, I choose to submit and resist. We can do this. That's how you keep your head. Easy schmeasy. I tell my kids, you know, I, I've got three girls. Imagine that. And sometimes they start squabbling, and I'll go, Keep your head. And my oldest has figured it out. She'll go, I'm sorry. I was overreacting. I thought you were being mean to me. And I just, I mean, it, it's great. The, even if it's like one out of ten, I think it's a victory. Right? So keep your head. Keep your head. Here's another one. Because the external and internal enemies will, will try to focus on your head. And if not, they'll try to focus on your heart. How do you keep your heart? How do you keep your heart? In Ephesians chapter 4, it says, Forgive each other just as in Christ God forgave you. I'm telling you. Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, See to it that no bitter root grows up, cause it, uh, um, that grows up to cause trouble and defile many. One of the best ways to keep your heart, my analogy is this. If you have a beautiful garden, and as British people, you know, you love gardens. Sometimes you grow food, but sometimes you grow pretty flowers. Imagine your life as a garden with beautiful flowers. And then what happens when weeds start to grow? Some of the weeds are even pretty. They have flowers of their own. What makes weeds bad? Weeds suck nutrients that are meant for the flowers. 
to, to, and when, when you pull all your weeds, your flowers bloom. When you have unforgiveness, when you go, I can't believe they're overlooking me. I can't believe they're not respecting me. I mean, these are, this is all bitterness. This is all offense. I'm t- you know, it's okay to speak forth in truth and say, I really don't like that. But when we harbor bitterness or resentment or offense, what we're doing is not only planting weeds in our soul, we're watering them. And after a while, it, create, it creates barriers relation, relationally. It, it causes trouble. It defiles other people. And, you know, just learning how to keep your heart and say, Lord, that really hurt. I choose to forgive them. I mean, when, when someone throws a weed seed into my life, I mean, as I see it coming, I'm going, oh, Lord, I forgive them. Because I don't want what other people do or say steal from my walk with the Lord, no matter how hard it is. Or if I get really wounded, I go, Lord, that really hurt. I choose to forgive. Instead of me trying to fix myself, I go, God, this is a wound. I have no clue how to fix it. Please, you know, I've forgiven them. Please forgive me for any hatred, but God, would you please heal my heart? It's amazing how that, that keeps my heart. It keeps my garden fresh. Isn't that right? Keep growing. Keep your head. Keep your heart. Keep growing. Another way of saying this is develop a habit of repentance or develop a lifestyle of repentance. You know, when I look back at, at how I thought, how I felt, you know, when I was an early Christian, and what I'm doing now, I'm going, wow, I can't believe God, you know, has led me this far. It's amazing. Am I the only person who, you know, I, I have to change how I do things? I mean, look, I love my wife. She loves me. I don't get it, but she loves me. And every time she would have a problem, I would listen, and then I would try to fix her problem. And... She was so stubborn, she wouldn't listen to me. And then I realized that my heart was right, but my my skills were horrible. (laughs) That I actually had to say, tell me more about your problem, let me listen, and then I would ask her permission. Do you you want advice, or do you want me to just, just to listen? And I found out I got more done just by listening to her, right? How many of you want to go to your husband and go, did you hear that? Keep growing, develop a habit of repentance. There's something about really a lot, we we can't reinvent ourselves, but allowing God to reinvent us. You know, for those of us who are older, that doesn't mean we wear skinny jeans. My gosh, if you ever see me wearing skinny jeans, just hire someone to shoot me. Because something is, is, anyway. Look, I threatened my kids. I said, keep on doing that, I'm going to wear skinny jeans. They just stopped. It was great. (laughs) Anyway, in Hebrews chapter 12, you know, as you're running your race, as you're running your race, not sprinting, just running your race at a good pace, we are called to throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles. He, He doesn't do it all at once. But, you know, if you're called to be an Olympic gold medalist in uh, swimming and you got to practice, after a while, 
you know, eating 20 pounds of ice cream at midnight every night, you just can't do that. There's nothing really wrong with it. Yeah, there's something wrong with it. But there's, you know, you know if, if you want the great things, you say no to some of the good things. Yeah. I'm sorry, brother. I know your ice cream bill is just, you know, who needs a car so long as I have ice cream? Anyway, but there's some, as we go forward, God puts in us some promises, and he goes, how much do you want those promises? How much do you really want to experience, not just believe, but to actually experience those promises? Maybe there's just some good things that you want to throw off so God can give you better things. And then, you know, maybe he hasn't touched some of that bitterness or that insecurity or woundedness until now. And he goes, well, you want to carry that? That, will, that, that, will, that won't lighten your load. Why don't you just throw that off, get forgiven, get healed so you can go forward? Keep growing. Growth comes through repentance. You're all looking at me like, I don't like that. But it's true. Have you ever had, these are my thoughts, these are God's thoughts. You go, okay, God, I submit. I'll hold this lightly. And you start following God's thoughts, and you found yourself, you've changed. You think differently, you act differently, you feel differently. Repentance, quite literally, is not a four-letter word. But some of us actually feel like, well, repentance is like, you've got to flagellate yourself and cry a lot and all that. As we go forward, keep growing. Keep growing. Hold your opinions Hold your ideas, hold your feelings, go ahead, hold them, but hold them lightly so that if God wants to challenge those things, it'll be easier to exchange them for what God has. That's how we keep growing. Here's another one. There's two more. Keep connected. Isolation is a killer. It's an absolute, it's an absolute, when people go, well, it's just me and Jesus, me and Jesus. Well, it, it's okay to have me and Jesus, but the more you're actually having fellowship with Jesus, if you're really walking in the light, one of the evidences is that you have fellowship one with another. You know, that's why pastors go, I haven't seen you for three months. What's going on? They're not sitting there thinking that, well, we want to check you off because we're interested in numbers. They're going, evidence that you're walking with God is that you're comfortable Hanging around with other Christians doesn't mean that everybody's going to get in your stuff and interrogate you. I mean, some of you are just very private people, and God made you that way. Obviously, I'm not. But there's something about when we are together. That's what small groups are not a small thing. That is a big thing. It's a huge thing. Who put together the small group booklet? Come on, who did it? It's There's a future for you. I see you in ministry. No, man. But, it, I mean, it's really sharp. As, you know, and, and the leaders, you know, they're fairly good looking. And, uh, but keep connected. It says, let us not give up meeting together. And he's not talking just about congregational meetings. Um, we're, we're supposed to encourage one another daily so that none of us can be hardened by the uh, sin's deceitfulness. Just by hanging around other Christians, just hanging out, how you doing, what are you struggling with, you know, how are your kids doing that, you're in the light, and it's just sort of a remedy for, for the kind of deceitfulness when we, we just sort of, we isolate ourselves and we just have our own thoughts. Isn't God a genius? 
Learn to keep your head. Learn to keep your heart. Learn to keep growing. Our repentance is not bad. Go ahead. Bury your pride. Change, change old things for some of the new things. And I think one of the ways you actually do that, keep connected. Sometimes we don't have a good model of what a, of a better life looks like. Here, I'll give you an example. This will probably make me go even more off, uh, off time, but I'm here once a year. Um, listen, imagine you and your wife, you're having a tough time. You love each other, but you've actually said, well, we can't divorce, but, you know, we could kill each other. You know, there's, you just don't like each other and all, but you decide, well, we need a break. We'll go on a vacation, and we're gonna, it's just an evening vacation. We're going to go and visit another couple from the church. They seem pleasant enough. So there they are. You're there with them, and you have a nice fellowship. They think you're doing all right, but you know you're not doing all right. And so um, the lady gets up. She goes, well, I'll go get our meal, and she comes out, and she's carrying like duck l'orange. I, I make this up. I sounded sophisticated when I said l'orange. Anyway, and she trips, gets unsteady, and she drops the, the, the glass um, uh, serving, serving thing, and it drops and breaks, and there's duck l'orange all over the place. Now, you and your wife, are, you get, get tensed up. You go, oh, there's going to be a fight now. Watch this. Except the husband goes, his first reaction is, are you okay? <laughs> Not, I paid good money for that. It's, are you okay? Yes, dear. Oh, honey, mm, there might be a burn. Here, go wash that off, and you know what to do. I'll clean it up. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, don't worry about it. And, like, the two of you are going, is that what sanity looks like? Oh, oh, that's, oh maybe we can learn something, right? And then he cleans it up, and you're, you're speechless. You're going, wow, this is better than any marriage seminar. And then when she comes back, she says, I'm sorry. He says, that's all right. While you were taking care of it, I called up the local restaurant. We have reservations. Let's go. That couple, just because they were in fellowship, they learned something. Isn't that true? God's a genius how to equip us to fight our battles. Keep your head. Keep your heart. Keep growing. Learn to repent. Keep connected. And here's a foundational, foundational one. I believe if you put yourself in a position to keep filled, that will set the stage for all these others. Because if you try to keep your head in your own strength, mm, try to keep your heart in your own strength, ah. and look, to keep growing in your own strength, sometimes you go thus far, no further, I'm good. There's something... We, we can easily just sort of settle. And then keeping connected. Have you ever been connected to people you'd rather not connect with? You know that person in the small group, yeah, you're here to have fellowship, and all he does is talk. And you look at the leader. Can't you shut him up? Yeah, if you can't shut him up, I'm leaving. There's all these, all these things, and your own strength. You go, I'm going to find another small group where it's, you know, it's populated only by me. Keep filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I am not saying, I, I don't believe being filled with the Holy Spirit, especially in Ephesians uh, chapter 5, verse 18, I believe that's more of a lifestyle than a behavior or an experience. People think that in order to be filled with the Holy Spirit, they got to learn how to dance, and they got to go, oh, did you feel that? And definitely yell in tongues. And you know, 
Now, those things are great. I got nothing against it. But that's not what's being talked about in Ephesians chapter 5. It is to be continually and increasingly surrendered to the person and ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does so many things. He comforts us. He leads us. He guides us. He imparts to us. He gives us gifts. He helps us think differently. There's so many things he, he does really well. If we choose to, look, right before you're going to go in for a, a negotiation for your job, instead of getting, oh, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to demand myself. Lord, just fill me with the Holy Spirit. Give me wisdom. You do that, whether or not you get the job, you'll be able to navigate it much better. Now, why is this a weapon of warfare? Because it was Jesus's. In Luke chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit into the wilderness. I'll say that again. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. Now, what happened in the wilderness is that there was a battle. There was an external enemy. An external enemy had some external, you know, uh, distractions. But also, the enemy tried to get at Jesus' inside, his hunger, his thirst, uh, you know, maybe if he had any pride, that, that the enemy had a full-on attack externally and internally. And here's what Jesus did. Filled with the Holy Spirit, every time there was an attack, he could identify, this is the enemy, and this is what my father says. So, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll actually see what the battle lines actually are. And then, wait, there's more. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you will have the courage and wherewithal to choose to do it God's way. Every time. Every time. That's what Jesus did. He goes, well, the great temptation, but it is written. But it is written. This is so important. I, I encourage you, get up every morning. You know, before you, you pull away the crusties, you know, before you even do devotions, before you do anything, say, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Just, just do it. Just do it. And watch how your life starts changing little by little by little. One thing we can learn about how Jesus dealt with warfare in the desert, he, he, he chose to be filled and then led, which leads to two very important principles. I've shared this before, but in a different context. You'll be led by what you're full of. It only works in America and in England. <laughs> Whatever you're full of, that's what's going to lead you. If you're, if you're full of tradition, you'll be led by tradition. If you're full of, of your desire for a place you know, and prominence, you'll be led by that. If, if, if you're if you're filled with anger or if you're filled with woulda, coulda, shouldas, and if onlys, that's what will lead you. Um, it, and when you surrender to the Holy Spirit, he gives you a chance to surrender. And actually, when the Holy Spirit comes to those areas, it's like a spiritual colon cleanse. The Holy Spirit will displace. That's a picture you'll never forget. No, but when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll displace the, the blockages. He will, all right, because you can't. So what you're full of, is what will lead you. And what you're full of is what you'll fight with. 
So, God has set things up. We are in a battle, but the whole battle is designed by God. And his way of sanctifying us, strengthening us, and glorifying himself at the same time is to equip, equip us to fight these battles. I'm going to leave you with a story. Um, I've had the incredible privilege of serving the underground church in China. And if you've been following it, it's pretty hot there. It's worse than in the time of Mao. I was there last May, and the door was just about to close. I mean, it's really bad there. It's really bad. And I'm with 71 of the senior leaders of this one, we'll call it a network, that had 7 million people in it. So these are the guys and gals. They were just incredible leaders. And I had three days, morning, noon, and night. I mean, it was just great in an undisclosed place. And I, I taught, prophesied, and I made sure all of them got prophesied in three days. That wasn't easy. But at the very end, they go, we'd like for you to preach a prophetic word. And, I, you know, like I have 10 minutes, you know. And the scripture came to me. And I, what I shared with them was, look, this, these three days are like a vacation for you. But you know as soon as you go back there, just you know you're being surveilled. You're, you're walking back into a battle. There's external enemies. There's your internal fears and all that sort of stuff. Um, you already have the promises of God. But God says he wants to equip you so you can fight well. And I told him, anybody want to get filled with the Holy Spirit? Everybody just stood up. I didn't have to lay hands on anybody. The Holy Spirit just came. And was it a charismatic moment? Yes. Did you see the glory cloud? Yes. But that was not the point. These people were sitting there going, we know we're in a battle. We're going back to the battle. God, give us what we need so we can walk out that battle. And I mean, it was like 45 minutes of, I mean, I got some videos, just short little videos. And all they're going, they're just, they want more of the Holy Spirit, not so they can say, well, God really met us. They wanted more of the Holy Spirit because they knew they could get equipped, that filled with the Holy Spirit, they would be led by the Holy Spirit into their battles. Now, you guys are certainly not in the same situation as China, but you're going to walk right back into your battles as soon as, as this message is over. Well, maybe not, when you walk out of the building. I want to pray for anybody who wants to be equipped for warfare. I will pray that God will fill you with the Holy Spirit. If you would please stand if you want that. And listen, if you, if, if, if you can't stand, or you got, I have a bad knee, so I hate having to stand and all. But look, if you're going, I'm standing on the inside, that, that works, okay? Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for this church family. Lord, I ask that, I thank you that you have been so faithful to lead them individually and as a church family from where they've been to where they are now. We give you glory. It's an amazing thing. But God, we know there's more. There, we know there's more for in us, on the inside of us, and there's more out there so we could advance the kingdom. 
We could try really hard to get all amped up and, and pumped up. We try really hard to advance the kingdom, but it's so much better, better to be equipped by you to go forward in the things of God. Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. The young ones up there, God, I ask that you would fill them. The old ones who are here, God, I ask that it would be a new season where, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit with the expectation of maybe an experience, but there would always be an equipping to go forward. God, as we are continually filled with the Holy Spirit, I guarantee, God, we will be more connected. We'll be able to put up one with another. We'll be able to get over our shyness and just be part of other people's lives. Lord, as you fill us with the Holy Spirit, growing and repenting will be a joy. It'll be easy. God, as, as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, it'll be easier to keep our heart. It'll be easier to pull the weeds that are in our, in our garden. And God, as we're filled with the Holy Spirit, when the battles come and they will come, we'll be able to keep our heads. So Lord, I ask that everyone here, there'd be a hunger to not only be filled with the Holy Spirit, but to be continually and increasingly filled with the Holy Spirit for their sakes, for the sake of the people that they say they care about, and for the sake of your name that they carry with them wherever they go. Amen.